Welcome back to Concrete Pastures. I am your girl, Nancy Mulemwasisi. As always, I am thrilled to be here another day, another week. Thank you so much for your continued support. I appreciate you so much. For anybody who's new, welcome to the family of your fellow immigrants, your fellow dreamers. This is your space and this is our platform where we inspire each other through our stories. We also give insight on what it's like to be an immigrant anywhere in the world. And if you'd like to inspire somebody out there with your unique story, feel free to reach out to me at concretepastures.com. Thank you so much, FMG Radio, for continuing to give us visibility on your platform. Guys, they show them some love. Let's continue to tune in to FMG Radio every Sunday, every day. It's a radio station and they play everything that you guys listen to. They show them some love. They support independent podcasters like myself and there's so many other podcasts on their platform as well. You can visit and learn from as well. On today's episode, I'm excited to introduce you to our next guest. I first heard of her on White Label American. If you remember, if you haven't listened already, please listen to my brother's episode, Raphael Hari. His episode is amazing. And on his platform, I heard our next guest story and immediately I wanted to have her on our platform for us to be inspired by her. So for all of you single parents, listen up, take some notes. This woman has so much wisdom to share with us. Her name is Presenta Anderson. She was born in Mumbai, India and immigrated to the United States as a child. She spent a couple of years in Houston and was raised in Oklahoma. She is a single mom of three beautiful Blindian babies. She is an engineer by day and an intimate coach by night. She also gives people torrent reading. Welcome, my sister. Welcome, Prisita. Hello. How are you, sis? I am wonderful. I'm excited for this conversation. How are you? Oh, God. Me too. Me too. I'm so grateful that you're about to join me today. I'm excited. Uh, so how are you doing? I'm good. It's hot where I'm at. It's like fully summer. So I'm like enjoying being in the AC. I walked outside today and I was like, oh. I'm going to go back inside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm constantly clicking on your Instagram. And <laughs> You're crazy. so sweet. Yeah, I'm always watching your stories. Like, because you always post, usually like some, one of your podcasts, I'm like looking yes. for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't worry. I'll give you my personal one. So you can there you go. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that one is just for the podcast. So let's get started. Okay, let's do you it. You are originally from Mumbai, India. I am. Just share with us what was your journey from Mumbai, India to here and yeah. where did you go? 
when you first came to the U.S.? Sure. So I, I was born in Mumbai. My family is actually from Kerala. So that's like South India, the southern tip, southwest tip. And when I came here, I immigrated to the U.S. when I was five years old to Houston. And I was in Houston for a few years. And then I moved to Oklahoma City when I was eight. So I was more or less raised in Oklahoma City. And Houston has a really big Indian population. So it was like... It was like I was in the U.S., but I was definitely still immersed in Indian culture. But then coming to Oklahoma, there was not near as many Indian people here. So that was definitely a different experience, you know, than than Texas, where there's Indians everywhere. So, wow. I didn't yeah. know that there's a lot of Indians in Houston. Yeah, there's so many. I know everyone knows Dallas, like all, you know, all the Indian people in India know Dallas. There's even like an Indian radio station there in Dallas. <laughs> nice. Like, I, I think it's 1041 or something. It's like they normally play Hindi music, but they'll yeah. talk. There's like, there's enough Indian people there for that. So, <laughs> wow. Whenever we really go. That's really cool. Yeah, that's definitely where the community settled. And so I'm I'm Christian. I know a lot of people in India are Hindu. So like the Christian community is even smaller. And of course, everyone knows everyone. But I mean, I feel like most of my childhood was like summer Christian conferences in Texas, like all throughout Texas, <laughs> wherever Indian was. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. And also meeting an, a Christian Indian, it, it's very rare. Yeah. It's very rare. Like, I have a friend, uh, she's from Pakistan. I was yeah. shocked when she told me she was Christian. I was like, huh? Oh, wow. No, that yeah, is shocking. <laughs> I thought you were going to say she's Muslim, like she's Pakistani. No, the same thing, you, you, the same reaction that you had. I was like, huh? She's like, Christian. I was like, okay. Right. She was you born know? Christian? Yes. They, they have wow. the same, they have it separated. They have Christians and Muslims. So, same I didn't thing. Know that. And also it was with names, like they have the English names, so you can tell that they are Christian. Yeah. Is it the same yeah. thing? Yeah, my maiden name was Paul. Ah. So that was my last name. Oh, but wow. in, in my family, and I don't know if it's all, so from Kerala, we're called Malayalis. I don't know if it's all Malayalis, but in the Christian side, we don't take the father's last name, we take the father's first name. So my last name was Paul and my dad's first name was Paul. Oh, same thing for me. My, oh, really? Uh, yeah, my father's first name is Sissy, and that's my last name. That's so cool. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> I learned something. I thought that was just us because, I mean... No, it, I was shocked here. When I came here, I was shocked that people were using their father's last name yeah. as their last name. I'm like, but that's your father's father's name. That, that's... I love this conversation already even more because I haven't met someone outside. It, it makes sense. I'm like, what? it's your father's name. The so yeah. first name makes sense instead of yeah. their last name. Their last name is their father. You said that's your grandfather's name. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, my last name is my dad's first name. That's so cool. That's so cool. I didn't know. I really thought that was like a Christian Indian thing. That's really cool. No, it's cool to do. It's because everybody I ask, they tell me, oh, no, my last name is blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It belongs to their father also. The and family name. Yeah, the family name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So how was your experience here being that you went to Houston and now then you went to Oklahoma? You did your schooling in Oklahoma? Yeah, I did all of like elementary, middle school, high school. All the grade school was in Oklahoma. I went to college in Oklahoma too. It's gotten bigger. I mean, 
I moved to Oklahoma, I guess like in the mid 90s, mid to late 90s. And there's been, Oklahoma has invested a lot of money into the city. So there's been a lot of growth, which means more people have come, but it's still pretty small. I mean, I think the population of Oklahoma City was like 400,000 when I was a kid. And now it's maybe like 600 or 700. You know, it's like, it's growth, but it's not like, it hasn't doubled in size. You know, it's like, it's still growing at a slow pace, but there's definitely a lot more diversity than what I remember. I mean, it's kind of concentrated in Oklahoma City, you know, in the suburbs, it's not as diverse, but there's definitely more diverse people than what I saw growing up. You know, it was like when I grew up, it was mostly a lot of white kids. There was maybe a couple of black kids, a couple Indians, and maybe a couple of Hispanic people, maybe, or you might have like one per class and that was it. Interesting. How was yeah. that really like in school? Any challenges in school being that you probably yes. maybe the only Indian girl <laughs> in school? Yes. I feel like the way that I grew up, it was like I wasn't Indian enough for the Indians and I wasn't American enough for the Americans. Oh my <laughs> so gosh, like, you have just said the same thing that I interviewed Monday. Yeah. And she said the same exact words, like she's not British enough for British and she's not African enough for Africa. Yeah. Wow. And then even, I mean, even here within the Indian community here, I mean, I think part of it is also we were kids and kids are kind of mean. Yeah. I think when I got older into high school, I met some like, you know, Indian girls that were a little bit nicer, but like middle school girls are just, I mean, like middle school girls are kind of mean, yeah. <laughs> generally speaking. Yeah. So I, I felt, I felt like I spent a lot of time kind of alone, you know, like I, I knew how to kind of hang out with myself because I really didn't like to be around mean people. And then I was also a preacher's kid. So like in our communities, especially in the Indian community, you know, being a preacher's kid, like my dad would travel all across the country to preach, like from coast to coast, just to go preach at these conferences because religion is such a huge part. So that meant that like, you know, people knew him and they knew me. And it was just like almost sometimes a little annoying because it's kind of like, people know you and you have no idea who they are <laughs> you know what I mean it's like, you wanted to have your se- separation from your dad and yourself yes. having your own identity I guess exactly exactly that so I mean the difficulty I think in growing up was yeah figuring out my identity as like a person who is Indian in America and what does that mean and yeah. then also separating my identity from my family and the identity that they had already created mm. if that makes sense yes no it makes sense because I can relate somewhat to what you're saying for me just my mom being successful at some point mm-hmm. and I wanted to separate myself it's also one of the reasons I actually came to America because I really wanted to have my own identity. Yeah. My, 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 I worked for my mom or getting, I guess, my success from my mom. I wanted to have my own separation. Mm. Yeah. So it happens actually, actually when you are growing up, I guess, with parents that are, have, have some type of status yes. in the community or something. And I see a lot of people like try to find their own identity in that. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. That's very true. That's very true. Either they try to find it through that or, yeah, like totally separate from it. Yeah. No, it it happens. So I know you're super duper successful. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get into being an, an engineer? Which is very rare for women. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like very typical because as an Indian kid, it's kind of like, 
you're either going to be a doctor or an engineer or like a business person and maybe a lawyer. Like there wasn't a lot of options. And my mom is a nurse. So the funny part is that I, I mean, my entire life, I like, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. I like shadowed doctors. I was volunteering in the hospital. And then I graduated and I started applying for medical school. I took the MCATs and I just realized like, I don't like this. Like, it's, this is not fun to me. There's nothing about this. You know, I just think I did it because it's all I knew. And, you know, my mom had told me it was something good. She never forced me to do anything, but she had just, you know, she was in the medical field. Um, so I went back to school for engineering after graduating I had no idea what an engineer did. I, I couldn't tell you. I was like talking to people who were engineers, like couldn't figure out what the job was. But I knew that you had to solve problems and you had to be good at math. So I was like, okay, you know, I like solving problems. I really like math. You know, I think I think I could be good at this. And then I also knew that mechanical engineering is what I picked. And I, I knew I wasn't good at it. I always wanted to be really mechanical, but like I didn't know anything about cars or how houses work, you know, just the mechanics of things. And so yeah. I picked that because I thought, well, I'd, I'd like to learn this. You know, this is a skill I'd like to learn. And honestly, there was a lot of opportunities to go back to school and get paid to go back to school being a woman because there's not a lot of women in engineering. So there was just so many companies willing to pay for me to go back to school. So yes. Yeah. So, I mean, my school, I think when I went back, I had to pay for my first year, but the, the other two years, it was like all costs were covered. You know, I had like a stipend. So that helped because I'm at that time, very nice, very nice. I, I was, I, was like, I think I was, I was pregnant with my son. So I had a kid too, but that's how I ended up in engineering. When I was in high school, I knew a guy whose dad was in oil and gas and the guy had like traveled the world and had so many cool experiences and just, he just had a life that I thought that, that looks cool. That looks like something I want to do. So I knew that um, his dad was an engineer too. So I kind of had that one person in mind and I knew, uh, I mean, I had experience with oil and gas just from going back home to visit India and our power systems aren't the same. You know, the energy isn't the same. So being in India, it's like, you know, the power goes out every day because there's not enough capacity. You know, it's like planned shutdowns every day. So I had like a passion for energy, I think in general. And then, yeah, just wanting to use my brain and seeing someone that had done it and was successful at it. So that's what all took me into engineering and into my specific field. Wow. No, I can definitely relate to your power going out. In, like yeah. the same thing, like in India, same thing in Zambia. Our yeah. power goes out. Like they even have a schedule. Yes. Like afternoon, like during the day, there's no power. And then yeah. they have like different areas yes. to receive. How is that possible that the country can survive that way? It's, yeah. it's insane to me because... Yeah. Like, I can't wait to take my kids one day and how shocked they'll be. I'm sure my daughter, she'll just be like, okay, what is this? Where's the power? (laughs) I can't charge my phone? Why I remember it being in the afternoon. I don't remember the time. I remember being a kid. It was like sometime between like 12 and 4 p.m. For a couple hours every day, the power is out. Exactly like that. Like, it was on a schedule. It was different parts of the city. So, yeah. When I tell people that, they're like, what? I'm like... Yeah, that was normal life. I mean, it still is normal life. No, for it a lot still of people. is normal life for us, actually, back home. Like, it's just a schedule. Like, I call yeah. sometimes at night. My mom is literally in the dark. Uh, we are on WhatsApp. Yeah. <laughs> I can barely see That's her. funny. <laughs> she's like, powers out. <laughs> That's exactly what she's like, oh. <laughs> we're in the dark. I'm not, yeah. I'm not just used to it. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's your turn, you guys. For yeah. Electricity to be out. Yep. 
I'd love for someone like out there who's listening to us how they can fix this big problem because mm-hmm. the fact that India is facing it and Zambia faces I'm sure there's a lot of countries that are facing it that yeah. we don't know but it's just crazy that it's this way yeah. um, some people have electricity during the day and then yeah. <laughs> they don't yeah oh goodness so you've been here how long I've been here since 92 30 years wow yeah oh my god wow oh my god that's a long time it is a long time i hadn't thought about it 92 is when i came here wow what has changed from the time you came 92 to now who in the u.s yeah oh my goodness everything so i came here i mean i came here before y2k i came here before 9-11 you know i came here and i live in oklahoma city so it was like we had the Murrah building bombing where the guy blew up the federal building. So I was here, I was in school, you know, you could like hear and feel the explosion throughout the city. So I, I mean, there's just a lot that's changed. I remember before 9-11, like being able to walk people to their gates, you know, like here and just a different, a different sense of like safety, you know, people, I don't think people are as afraid at the time. Gosh, yeah, I remember also like being a young kid and hearing about like Desert Storm in Bosnia, you know, like I had no clue what these things were, but I just remember seeing it on the TV. So, I mean, I think all those things have changed. But in a sense, there's also, I I guess, another thing that has changed is when I came here, the U.S. was hiring Indian immigrants as nurses. So I came here because my mother is a nurse and she was hired from Saudi Arabia. I think she was a nurse in Saudi Arabia at the time and she had to take her TOEFL exam and the in class, you know, all the all the exams to prove that she was yeah, capable. Qualified. Yeah, more than qualified, you know, it's like they really want to make sure. But they I don't remember when the US stopped hiring Indian nurses, but now there's you know, they don't hire Indian nurses anymore. So I, I think now if you immigrate here from the US um, I don't even know how you would come here. Maybe as a doctor, as an engineer, you know, or with family. I don't, I don't know what profession gets you over here anymore. So that's changed too, for sure. No, Just, for sure. The way you have to I'll look into it, actually. I saw something that they were hiring because of the pandemic. They uh, were hiring like nurses, but I don't know how true it is. Hmm. Verify. <laughs> like they were hiring nurses because some people were quitting. Yeah. So, so much stuff went on uh, during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was devastating throughout yeah. the pandemic and people couldn't bear with it. Yeah. And the hours were crazy. And for some people, fam- for all of us, family yeah. comes first. Um, so some people quit and I think there is a shortage of nurses <sighs> in some places. They, they are hiring, but we'll double check. Yeah, that's <laughs> interesting. Is, yeah, like which cities, which states would be good. Yeah. I know London, the UK is always hiring, like, uh, nurses from outside. They're always uh, hiring. Canada is too. My, one of my cousins is a nurse and she's looking at Canada because oh, Canada nice. is much more friendly <laughs> than oh, nice. the US. That's all my sister. My, my sister is, um, she's a nurse. She's oh, a nurse. really? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I was trailing her to go to London. Like, you should go to London. Yeah. Um, this way, it's my selfish reason. <laughs> <laughs> so you can go visit? <laughs> I keep pushing. I'm like, just go to London. Don't have to <laughs> London. That's so funny. <laughs> Selfish reasons. <laughs> so I know you are a mother. Biggest part of our interview, our conversation is really getting 
in touch with the motherhood, being an immigrant yeah. mother to your... Geez, I can't even pronounce it the right way. <laughs> yeah, my my three kids. Three kids, but yes. the... Blindian. 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 Oh my God. I need to remember this. Blindian. <laughs> my Blindian babies. My black and Indian babies. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, it, it's it's crazy and interesting. And I when I saw it, I was like, wait, she wrote Blindian. <laughs> Blindian. <laughs> By the end of this conversation, I'll know it. <laughs> yes. Yes. You are. <laughs> oh my gosh. So... How has it been being a single mother? I'm new to this space of being a single mother. And I'm just here to actually learn because I'm in shock of being a single mother and being an immigrant. It's very different. Yeah. No, it it, it very much is. I mean, even I think any parent or any child, whether you're single or not, you need a community. You know, there's so many phrases and sayings like it takes a village, you know, to raise a child. And it's so true. And I think it's, I mean, it's true because a child needs to see different perspectives on the way people discipline and the way people treat, you know, them and just having different personalities to be able to confide in. But the parents need help too, you know, that's the biggest thing. I mean, I think being a single mother is tough by itself anyway, but for my immigration story, none of my family immigrated over. So it's only my parents and my brother, you know, my, my uncles didn't come, my cousins didn't come. And I know a lot of Indian people here, it was like chain migration, you know, their whole family is here. So they have support, you know, that there's cousins for the kids to play with things like that. Um, Not having that definitely makes it harder in every way, but really I think the biggest thing, there's like a few things, mindset shifts that I've had to make in order to, I think, do this without hurting myself. First, I had to really prioritize taking care of myself because it's so easy to neglect ourselves. And I mean, neglecting from the simplest ways, right? Like if you think about my oldest child is turning 10 this month and my youngest is turning five in August. There were points in time where I wouldn't even make myself food. You know, I just feed the kids and whatever they don't eat is what I'm eating. But that's like a way of neglecting yourself. You know, it's like you don't even care about yourself enough to give yourself a plate, you know, or like, oh, you know, I need to make sure my kids go because they're in sports. I need to go take them to all their sports. And I know I'm tired and I just came home from work, but they, I need to do it for them. And I realized like my kids more than anything just need to see me happy. They need to see me peaceful. They need to see me calm. So less stuff. Like I, I've started doing way less stuff. I mean, not near as many play dates, not near as many activities, just trying to keep it not so full because American culture is just like, it's so much about doing, you know, in Indian culture, I feel like it's more about being, you know, like being present, being calm. There's lots of rest. I mean, every time I go back to India, it's like people just sit there and they just rest and relax for hours. You know, because it's hot and people are just like, oh, well, clean the house and ate food. We're just going to sit here and have some chai and some cookies at three hours later. And that's like, we don't do that here. After three hours, people are like, yeah, you know what? Most of my friends are like, oh, it sounds like you had a productive day. Everything is about productivity, being productive. So I like, I had to mentally tell myself, I'm a mother, I'm a single mother. I don't have to be productive all the time. It's okay to not be productive. Like, rest is important that was one thing and then caring for my like all of me my mind my body my spirit my emotions my intellect my sexuality i mean everything all aspects of me just instead of 
trying to be just a mother and that's it really recognizing i'm still a woman i'm still a sexual being i'm still creative i still have dreams you know th there's things i want to do and i kind of lied to myself i told myself like i have to make sacrifices i can't do certain things because i have kids and then i realized that's not true there's a lot I can do, but I don't need to rush it all. You know, I need to be patient and I also need support. So I think the third thing was like finding friends that I trusted. Like I have a sisterhood, you know, like a community around me of like women that I trust with my kids, <clears throat> that I trust to help, that I trust to just like take care of them. Or if, if I ever have an emergency, just that they're there. I probably need to find a babysitter, but... <laughs> I don't really, I don't have one. And I'll say I, I co-parent really well with my kid's dad. I mean, it's taken a long time. We got divorced. It's, it'll be almost three years. And it took us a long time to figure out how to get along and to like get the egos out of the way and to just communicate and to put the kids first. Just to really put the kids first. I mean, it took, it just took a lot of growth. I think I, it made me have to grow up. I had to really become just more mature, more kind, but also more firm, you know, firm on my needs, my boundaries, my expectations, and not in a mean way, but in a way that's like, like a tree, you know, a tree is like strong and grounded yeah. and rooted, but it's not mean, but you're not, you're not going to knock a big tree over, you know, like yeah. it's, it's there. So that helps a lot. I mean, it helps a lot to have my mother is here, but she's still working, but she still helps, you know, she'll, she'll spend time with the kids and they have a good relationship with her, but that's really, I mean, my family, my support is, is my friends, my sister. That's really, I think my biggest saving grace because they're also the ones that I called when I'm stressed you know when I like <laughs> I just I just need somebody to talk to or I just need to come sit on their couch and drink some wine like yeah. you know like they're the ones that just are there emotionally to help so yeah wow. does that make sense it makes a lot of sense mindset shifting I I, I needed that like for me because I was trying to navigate for myself I was navigating everything by myself I'm here by myself yeah. Yeah, my my immediate family is back home, and my support is really. Thank God, bless me with someone who's who I can trust. She's a bit, she's my babysitter, but I oh, that's perfect sister. And then sometimes my in laws, I, I live far from them, so they can't really help as much because they really helped me when I was my when our daughter was young. Uh huh. So now they help out whenever like there's a break in school. So my daughter yeah. goes to them and my son can go to daycare this week yeah. and go to work. But yeah, mindset shifting. I love it. And I yeah. love all your three rules that you have. And the fact that you have the co-parenting, that you figured it out how to co-parent the right way. Because the other thing that, you know, ex a lot of single brothers is finding that medium, I guess, the, the middle ground of... Yeah. Let's co-parent together and then the ego is getting into, you still have feelings or your head feelings or whatever it is that happened between your relationship. Yeah. While putting the kids first. I love that, that you, you, you guys have, you know, done that for your kids. It's, yeah, it, it's hard. I mean, I think even putting the kids first, it's like, I heard a quote when I was going through the divorce and it was like, the person with the biggest ego has to give in first. <laughs> <laughs> and I sat there and I thought about that for a long time. I was like, is that me or is that him? Like, who, <laughs> who is it? Who is it? And then I kind of was like, well, I don't really know, but I'll give in first. You know, I'll, I'll give in first and I'll just try. But I mean, I think sometimes, and I think 
I think it's a, a product of being an immigrant girl. Like I feel like I'm always very considerate and sometimes I give in too much. So I had to really learn the lesson of like, I agree with you. No means no. Here's no, my boundaries. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. And the, the, the tree analogy that you use is actually perfect because that's what I am trying to learn as I'm going through this journey of taking care of my kids and the same thing that you're saying that feeding my kids first and then me eating the leftovers and that's exactly what I do and I'm neglecting myself so much so many days and the guilt of I'm not doing this much for them I'm yes. like it, it's mom guilt so, yeah the, the mom guilt is eating me alive and I'm, I'm just trying to like namaste every single yeah. kind of day to like okay let me navigate this I'm Every day I tell myself that I'm doing the best I can. Yes. Yeah. That's all. I'm like, I don't have this. I don't have help. Because when I call my sisters, they have help. They have yes. living nannies that help them with their kids. And it's very different when yes. we come here. And then the childcare, the expenses. It's not only like the childcare for me. It's just the, the food. Everything. Yeah. I'm doing everything by myself. Yeah. It's, it's so- super duper stressful. I understand. I mean, I feel like even in India, you know, the I think women started really working more recently. So there's a lot of women who work now, but their mothers don't, you know, their mothers don't, their aunts don't, you know, they have younger. So there's just more of a community yes. in our countries where yes. there's support <laughs> because I, I really feel like women as women, we are so capable, you know, just the way that the world demands us to be. We, I mean, like to exist in the world, we have to be strong, talented, you know, m- multitasking. There's just a lot of skills that if you're a woman who's successful in any way, you've had to show all that. But we do well with support. I mean, the things that we can create and do is like, it's amazing with support. I, I was, it's so interesting you say mom guilt because my closest friends, they all, I mean, I think we all struggle with mom guilt, but I mean, I'm, some of my friends, like they have a hard time even taking like a night away for themselves, you know, or like going out or like even just anything, like anything just for yourself. And I was the same way. And then I realized like, you know what? I do better when I take some space from them. Like I think every week or every two weeks at the latest, I just need time to not have to be responsible. You know, like I need time to not have to make sure somebody else is waking up and that they're fed. And, you know, I can just worry about me, making sure that I wake up when I want. You know, it's like, because we, I mean, I've been at this point, I've been a parent for 10 years. And it's like, I think in the last few months is really when I started having like consistent breaks. And it's like, it's it's necessary, I think, for mental health because if we don't get it for mental health, it's just like it's just like if we get burned out at work, it's the same thing. You can get burned out being a parent and just struggle. You know, we all need rest and space to heal and recover. So, oh, you, yeah, mom you, guilt you're is so real. right. You, you're so right with that. Like, I also function better when I've had like a break from my kids. Like before this interview, I literally asked my babysitter before she took them away. Ask my babysitter, I'm going to go have lunch by myself. Yeah. And I just don't want nobody pulling on me. And let me just swallow without somebody bringing yeah. their diaper in my face. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I understand exactly what you mean. Yes. Oh, but I, I definitely agree with you. Because there's a lot of us women, like aside from just being an immigrant, 
And yeah. being a mother without that community, the support. Because if I was back home, please. Yeah, you'd have. Here you go. I'll go to my brother's yeah. house. I just like, here you go. Yeah. I'll be right back. Five hours later, <laughs> I'll still be fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you can, we can't really do that here. Oh, my gosh. You've said so many um, great things that I'm actually going to utilize myself. Okay. <laughs> what have you learned from your boys? Ooh, that's a good question. From my boys, I've learned how to be more tender to men. Because I realized after dealing with my sons that they are very... um, Kids are resilient, but they're very soft, gentle creatures. You know, their their souls are very tender. They're very gentle. I mean, my younger son, his personality is different. So he's more of a fighter and he's more aggressive. But even he, you know, he'll get moments where he is just like, if he feels like I'm disappointed, he's just like so sad. It's like the end of the world. He doesn't want to make me frustrated. And it's like, he just gets so sad. So I think I've realized that men are really like the same. You know, like some men, if they haven't, healed from their childhood wounds or even from their adulthood wounds, I think they tend to act out more. And whether it's, they're basically just like reacting to emotions, right? Like they're getting triggered by something they haven't dealt with and they're angry and they take it out on you. But I feel like men who've kind of like done the inner work and um, they're just maybe a better communicating or more emotionally stable, they have like inner child you know like they have like an inner child and an inner boy child who like is just trying to figure out where is he safe do you know what i mean like because the world i, I mean the world I, I understand that yeah the world asks a lot for women but also for men like men are expected to be strong and you can't have any feelings and you can't cry and you have to care everything and protect everyone and you got to be a hero so i mean i have a lot more compassion i think and empathy and sympathy for men still high standards so you know like my my boys i have very high standards on how i expect them to be as humans and kind and loving and respectful and the things that i expect them to do and like just being responsible um and I mean, handling whatever they need to handle, whether it's at home or, you know, school, whatever. But I have a lot more compassion, like a lot more compassion and tenderness towards just males in general from having sons. Does that make sense? Well said. (laughs) Well said. So you recently posted something. I'm going to read it out. I was like, let me ask her about this. So I was on your Insta. And you did somewhat or like a uh, photo shoot or something. I read your caption. All I wanted as a kid was to embrace my culture fully. And that's exactly what I'm doing now. On my own terms, in my own way, on my own schedule, in my unique flow. I'm claiming every part of my Indian heritage, regardless of how people feel about my tattoos, spiritual beliefs, sexual preferences, biracial kids. Um, I'm still going to be me. I love that caption. <laughs> and your pictures look amazing. <laughs> Thank cool. you. Yes, yeah, so, so I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, so, Thank um, you. Really, 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 really beautiful. Uh, what do you mean? Oh, man, I'm getting like tingles thinking about it. So, <laughs> you know, so I felt 
what, like I said, when I was growing up, I didn't feel like I was Indian enough. You know, like the, first of all, being Christian, it was like there was a certain part of the culture that I was disconnected from, right? Like when it comes to so much of Indian culture is like rooted in Hinduism. So it's like Hindu mythology and the different dances and the music and even the language. And so being Christian and South Indian, our, our, root is Dravidian. It's not like the the North Indian languages, so it's a different root language. And that was a gap for one, because like most movies are like Hindi movies, you know, all these Bollywood movies, but like it was different for me. But in addition to that, like I wasn't allowed to do anything with dance. You know, I wasn't allowed. I love dancing. I wasn't allowed to do that. You know, it was like only Christian things. You know, I couldn't have my ears pierced. I couldn't just the cultural, the beauty of it. You know, the beauty, I feel like culture is like, it's that it's the beauty. It's the art. It's what connects you to the traditions. And so much of that I was disconnected from. And then when I was 22, yeah, when I was 22 is when I met my kids dad and I think we got married like a couple years later actually I was 21 when I met him because I got married at 23 so then when in in my community it's like if you go outside of the race it's bad if you go with somebody white it's a little less bad if you're with somebody black like you might as well just jump off the face of the <laughs> earth like it's done it's done like it's they don't want you there I remember I remember distinctly I had after I graduated school, I went back to Houston. I was working in Houston and David, um, we were dating at the time. And I remember uh, I was going to the Indian church there, the same Indian church. So when I like first immigrated, I went to, and I remember talking to one of the guys, an Indian guy, older guy, like a few years older than me. And I'd known him when I was a kid. I was like, I want to bring David. Like, can I bring him? And he was like, you know, I like, I just don't think it'll be well received by the uncles and aunties. And I just made a choice. I was like, you know what? I've spent most of my life, Indian childhood, like hiding things, you know, it's like you're constantly hiding where you're going, who you're talking to. You just, it's always just lies. And some, I decided at that point, I was like, I'm done lying. I'm done living a lie. I'm going to be me. And that is what it is. So that was like 22. And then for like 10 years, I like, I really didn't talk to my family very much. I didn't go to India at all. Like it was total disconnect. Like I didn't go to Indian events. I really didn't talk to Indian people, like total disconnect. And I had to give myself permission to be Indian. You know, I had to give myself permission to like wear the clothes, listen to the music, watch the movies, to go to India and to not care. You know, because nothing about who I am is accepted in the culture at all. Whether it's the way I talk, the way I act, the way I look, you know, not everything is like completely taboo. But I had to just decide, like, I don't care. I'm still Indian and I'm still going to choose to be me. And it's been a journey. I mean, like, even now, Nancy, when I go to India, I'm fully covered. Like, I don't show any of my tattoos, like in the middle of summer when it's like hot, humid. I'm like, just like this, like same thing I wear to work. My neck is covered my all the way to my wrist, like all the way down, fully covered. So when you're in India, you cannot be... I could, I could, but it would stress out my whole family. Uh, You know what I mean? So So for that... For the sake of peace. For the sake of peace, for the sake of peace and considering them, like I, I do that. So I've like, I've accepted that I can go back and that... It's okay to do things to make it less stressful for people, but I'm still going to go. Like now when I go, you know, when I go now, like I'll go buy the bindis, which like when I was a kid, there was no way. Like that was a Hindu thing. We're not doing that. And now I'm like, I don't care. Like I'm 35 years old. I'm going to go, I'm going to go buy the bindi. I'm going to go buy the extravagant jewelry and I'm, I'm just going to, you know, wear what I want and do what I want. So, I mean, I think it takes a lot of just like inner power or not caring. 
And then even like when I share things online, you know, it's the, each of the platforms is different, which I'm sure you've probably picked up on this too. But like <laughs> Facebook is like the Instagram, you know, is like usually a lot of love. Facebook is like not as much love. You know what I mean? Like people on Facebook are kind of like they're like kind of bitter. <laughs> so it's like Listen, Facebook is it's another animal on its own. I don't even mess with Facebook. I just like you know what? Let me stay over here. Yeah, I also have like social media anxiety, so I don't even. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, I mean, I think even doing the shoot was like. I mean, it's such a, like a, a cultural thing because I mean, I put that sari on myself, and like a sari is it's hard to put on. You know what I mean? Like I, there's, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there's women that like they've gone to been in Indian communities their whole life and they don't know how to put on sari because it is just that challenging. But that's something I have a memory of my mother doing, of my grandmother doing, and so like learning that and then just like doing it and then being willing. Like even even in those pictures, like some some of the poses, they're like Hindu poses. You know, they're like from yeah. dance. So it's like no, I saw, I saw. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the Hindu movies. Ah, uh, yeah. I used to watch even with the subtitles sometimes. Yeah, back home, and I also we have a lot of Indians in my country. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I we have been really amazing people. Listen, my favorite, one of my favorite things to eat is japati. So ah, japati, <laughs> that's so South Indian. You must have South Indians because japati is like yeah. very South Indian. I don't even know where they're coming from, but it's just japati was just like yeah. <laughs> That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Oh man. I think I think people like to put people in boxes to help understand, you know? Like yeah. when we look at a person, if there's a box, it helps us like know who that person is and be yeah. less uncomfortable. I don't know that I fit into like those Indian boxes. So I've just like I mean, we have Indian events here now, but they're like they're Christian based or they're, you know, Malayali based. And I'm not Christian and I, I'm, I don't feel like showing up to a Malayali event with my three biracial kids. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like going through that. So it's like being able to have my culture in the way that I want it when I want it and however I want it and feeling comfortable enough to like share it. Because why not? I, I love that. I love that. I think if you don't fit in your own culture, yeah. whatever is acceptable as culture, you make your own um, culture. I love that. Yeah, you make your own experience. Because, I mean, you only have one life. We cannot live a life of impressing people. It's no. just impossible. And you never feel the void of impressing people. Because yeah. there's always somebody else who's going to be like, oh, but this, but that. It's just impossible. And then yeah. you end up being stressful, uh, stressed because of people. Yeah. I, I love what you're doing, to be honest oh, with you. Thank you. Um, what are you teaching your kids when it comes to your culture? So they know... Um, what do they know? I mean, I teach them a lot, not just about our culture, but just like cultures around the world. Um, we talk a lot about religion for sure. So they know that like in India, there's other religions. We have books on Hinduism. I mean, we have books on Islam um, and like Buddhism. I've read them books about like um, Confucianism. I don't know if that's really the name, but a book about, I think it's Lao Tzu. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but just in general, I talk a lot about culture and religion to them because I want them to know that in the Western part of the world, it's very Christian. But in the Eastern part of the world, it's old. You know, it's thousands and thousands of years of people doing things and there's just a different way. You know, yeah. we live in this culture and this is what this culture says, but there's so many other ways of being. So I tell them about that. They've met my cousins. They've met, well, one of my cousins and they've met people like my, my uncle came to visit. So they've met people, you know, 
like face to face when they've come to visit. They have not been to India. I would like to take them, but my oldest has a lot of food allergies. And I, I mean, he has a lot of food allergies. So I worry about his like safety because like food quality is different there. You never know what's in a what. Like, I but, agree. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're not there yet. Hopefully if he outgrows it or we can find a way to cook our own food, we can go. But we talk about religion a lot, and then I kind of teach them about geography, and I feel like they're they're decently connected to my family. You know, they know who they are, and they know kind of my cousins, the ones that I'm close to. But I think, I mean, it's kind of like what you were saying about taking your kids. I think it's different when they go, and they have a connection to the soil. But they, I mean, they know they're Indian. You know, I make curry for them, not as much as I used to, but like... When they do the little about me posters at school, they always have like India on there. And, you know, like curry is my favorite. Curry and macaroni and cheese are my favorite foods. <laughs> and that's, that's sublindian, right? There. I know, I know it is. I love it. <laughs> and then the clothes, like, you know, I buy them clothes and I'll, we don't go to events all the time, but. We will, you know, every year usually like just take pictures, you know, I'll have them put on their clothes and just be able to put on formal Indian attire and just feel the culture. Because I, my belief is that we all need some grounding roots in culture or family yeah, or both really, you know, we, we, we're here on this earth and like our souls want to be tied to something, you know, there's like an internal angst if we're not connected to something. Yeah. So Yeah. I try. Nice. I just, the goal is definitely to take them to India, but probably not until they're older, like probably teenagers or so, or maybe older than that. What do you want your kids to know you for? Like, I want them to know me for growing, evolving, always evolving and being willing to learn and then just we talk about our family values like within our family and I have we call them family meetings which my kids think are funny but we talk about our family values our respect kindness perseverance hard work and integrity so those are like the five family values that I tell them you know that I say this is what our family does this is what we focus on these five things so I want them to know that and I also want them to know how much I care about our family You know, like I want them to know what unconditional love is. Like when they think of me, I want them to think unconditional love because for me being an immigrant child, I never felt like I had unconditional love. I mean, even in 22, 2022, I still feel like the love is conditional. You know, the conditions are, how do I act? You know, how do I behave? What do I do? You know, it's not just like, I'm going to love you no matter what, you know? So I want them to know they don't have to do or be anything. You know, I'm going to love them regardless. I'm still going to expect them to do the right thing, but the love will always be there. So those things, I think of all, I want them to know me for evolving and growing and caring about the family through like the principles I'm trying to instill in them and just to know that they're loved unconditionally just for existing on this earth. So beautiful. I I love that. But it's funny and interesting how we feel kind of the same thing. Like we come from worlds, but really experience the same type of thing. Like the way my mom raised us was not like hagging on or even my dad, like or there are people like hugs or I love you and all of this like constantly. The first time I actually said I love you to my mom, it felt uncomfortable. Now it's actually uh, natural. Yeah. But it's so uncomfortable because it's not something that I grew up on. I, I know that I was loved. I'm loved by my mom, but it's not 
like yeah the way it's expressed like in america that's yeah. the one thing that i loved when i came here i was like oh my god the way they are so close to their children yeah the intimacy with with their children in a way that i didn't see like i don't see that back home yeah. now it's a little bit different like the generation mm-hmm. like my sisters they constantly like hugging on their kids and we i think we are parenting our kids very differently now yeah compared to how uh, like we were raised and the same thing you are saying like yeah love yeah like with conditions if you don't do this i'm going to kick you out of my house (laughs) (laughs) literally (laughs) send you india (laughs) yeah that's africa yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh man. Yep. Literally the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what advice would you give to your fellow single mothers, uh, immigrant mothers, like some of us? What advice would you give to us? That's a good question. First, I would say know yourself and love yourself, which means take a long time to be with yourself consistently and ask for help. Seek help and ask for help from people that you trust on like a heart and soul level, you know? And if you don't have those people, open yourself up to it. You know, we have to like, first, we before it becomes something in the physical, our minds and our hearts have to be open to that happening. So it's like, once we become open, they come when they're supposed to come. But I would say for whoever is listening that doesn't have that, just open up to having that and it'll continue to come. I love that. No, it took me a while to start asking for help. I'm always the giver. Oh, me too. I'm always the giver. So when I became single mm-hmm. and I was just like, okay, how do I, how do I learn this? Yeah. I had to learn to ask for help. Yeah. Even before starting the podcast, I was literally reaching out to people like getting the mic, the mm-hmm. equipment and stuff. So I was literally on Instagram, on my personal Instagram, reaching out to people that are already in podcasting, asking them for help. Yeah. For how is this? And there was so giving. It was so humbling to me. Oh. Is this? Because when you are a giver, yeah. you don't really expect that. There are so many nice yeah. people out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. So I was just like, oh my goodness. I I need to learn a different skill now. Yeah. Asking. Even as I receive, like, I think one of my friends, she constantly says, why do you continue to say thank you, thank you, thank you all the time? Yeah. Like, it's just, I'm not used to receiving. Yeah. I'm I'm not used to receiving. And then now I'm learning to receive because <laughs> being such a giver, I'm just yeah. like, oh my goodness. And I constantly have to, to thank people yeah. until it comes out of my system. I'm like, okay, it's enough. <laughs> yeah, no, that in, in my world, I call that being the divine feminine, you know, like uh, the divine feminine receives and flows and is open to getting gifts. And I think especially for women, like yeah. we're in this culture, it's like, must be strong, must be capable. And it's like, that's really just like divine masculine, you know, it's like, yeah. which isn't bad, you know, it gets a lot of things done because we men and women need both sides, but it is definitely a nice place to be when we're able to receive you know it's like we get to be a little soft and not have to be hard yeah. all the time no, I've, I've, my kids have already like my kids already done that 
softens yeah. me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Especially my son, forget it. Forget it. <laughs> love of my life. Oh. <laughs> yeah, forget it. He just oh too much. That's that's so fun. That's me with my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she is like the princess. She like She's yes, that's how she is for me. She's like the brothers are like so protective and sweet, but there is like something for me and baby girl is like we're just connected. Like yeah. yeah. No, I'm connected with my daughter being that she's like she's actually my like my my little best friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's how she is. she's very protective. Oh, mommy, I got this. Mommy, I got <laughs> this. Oh. <laughs> Talk about your other world. How did you get into becoming an influencer? Oh, man. So I've always been pretty sexually open and like I've just, I never really had like too much shame about it. You know, there's like a lot of shame in these foreign cultures and in religion, but like there was a part of me that like I didn't really care. <laughs> like I was going to do what I want. I didn't necessarily tell everybody, you know, what I did, but I mean, I was like I didn't care if I wanted to do something, I would do it. And then I realized that there's like a spiritual path for it's called basically tantra and dao right so in, in the eastern world in china india taoist um and tantricas are another spiritual path similar to like hinduism or things like that where it's about energy similar to like buddhism and like our energy centers but it incorporates the sexual energy so it, it treats sexual energy and it, it honors sexual energy as our life force energy. It's like our passion, it's our fire. And so it's not shamed, you know, it's like, it's a total acceptance of it. And that doesn't mean you have to have sex, you know, abstinence is okay. Celibacy is okay, but it's just changing the feelings around sex. And so when I learned, it was a, a good friend of mine who told me about Tao. And so when I learned this existed, I felt like it was like something in my my soul that just clicked. You know, it was like seeing something that was not unfamiliar to me. It was already who I was. I just didn't know it until I saw it. Um, and before I found that, like I was already thinking, you know, I was, I was, I took a step back and I was like, what's my passion? You know, like I'm an engineer, but like, if I think about what is it that I like doing that makes me happy? What is it that yeah. brings me joy and that fills me up? I was like, well, it's really about connection and helping people have intimacy, which really means communication and self-awareness and understanding how to just understand one another. Yeah. And then bringing in the sexual aspect of it really was like, just magical because it's so taboo there's so much negativity around it it's like you know people are scared but i mean it's like sex is a part of life like we're all here because people <laughs> have sex you know what i mean like it's we're literally here because of that but we don't like to talk about it no, and the great the crazy thing in our cultures. <laughs> not at all and the crazy thing is like we we talk to people about money we talk to people about health you know we talk to people about our careers we have all this training for all these things but we have no training on how to like have pleasure and like the reality is that there's things God has given us the creator whatever you want to call the being that's bigger than us yeah. that are natural medicine like laughter is a natural medicine joy is laughter is a natural medicine orgasms are a natural medicine like they release a lot of brain chemicals that are very stabilizing so I think when I realized that there were already thousands of years of this lineage like the lineage I'm part of is mo many thousands of years old I felt like it was God. I call it a God wink. It was God showing me like, I accept you for you. Like this is for you. And I, it was really kind of just me accepting who I am. And like, yeah. how can I bring light to the world by just being me? And yeah. if I care about couples and if I care, and not even just like 
romantic couples, just any relationship really. Yeah. And if I care about people having like sexual wellness and, and health and pleasure, oh, this is this is for me. Like anytime I meet with a client, Nancy, when I say that it's like it feeds them, but it feeds me. Like when those conversations end, it is so fulfilling for me to just watch people Mm. learn how to be closer, learn how to communicate better, learn how to be more comfortable in the bedroom, just everything. You know, it's like, it's literally just watching people get closer over, you know, over like a coaching session. I'm just, it's beautiful. So again, I think a lot of what I've done in my life recently, it's not really like doing things. It's more like unlearning things. It's more like taking away all of these things and getting to the core of who I am. Like, who did God really make me to be in a way that I accept myself? Because God didn't make me to be like a Christian. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's how, yeah. that's where I was raised. That's the community I was raised in. That's yeah. not, that's not true to me. So I had to take that off and be like, well, what, where, what am I underneath all of the stuff that culture and community put on me? So, yeah, I mean, I really think a lot of it was just like, honestly, it sounds like really woo woo, but it's like, God just put good people in my life that helped me see who I wanted to be and have the courage to just do it. I think when you have a calling that God wants you to, to go through, he will place the people that you need to meet to get to, to where you need to be. So true. And that's where I think with this, I've realized that because yeah. I was constantly worried who's going to come on the show. You yeah. want me to do this. I have, a, I had so many excuses. You have no idea. Yeah. Why do you have, why, why me? Like, why have, yeah. this is not even like, I never dreamed of this ever. Yeah. And it just was something that I could not ignore. It's just yeah. nudging and nudging. And it's like, okay, let's do this then. Yeah. <laughs> but also just letting God, I guess, lit it yeah. in, in a way. And every time I meet someone, there's somebody, oh, you need to meet this person. Yep. Or oh, you need this person. You need to meet. So every time I meet somebody, there's somebody that God is, is introducing yep. in that interaction. But wow, well said. Yeah, I, we're I, on I the same ask time. you this because I, I read your bio. I was like, oh my God. Oh, the taboo from where we come from. Uh, I, don't know I know. How the Indian people are receiving this. I mean, most, I mean, my clients aren't really Indian. You know what I mean? Like most of my clients, they're, they're, the Indian ones haven't like welcomed up to it yet, but that's okay. It just takes time. It's okay. So, it's, maybe that's not your audience. May, yeah, I don't think it is. I think I think I'll yeah. probably it'll maybe be somebody else. Yeah, it's not maybe that's not your audience. That's yeah. not what God planned for you. Somebody yeah. else has that audience. Yeah, you needed to interact with some of us. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Blindian, I'm telling you, <laughs> Blindian for sure. So we live in America. You and I have both mixed kids. Your kids are getting older. I, have you had the talk yet on how to deal with cups? And have you had, or are you planning to have the talk and how did that talk go? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm very honest with them, especially with my boys. Cause my older two are boys. So I'm, I mean, I'm very honest with them on the history of our country on the full history, you know, like they learn history in school, but I supplement it with the awareness of like when they come home, I remember it was like kindergarten or something and they had like Thanksgiving and they had feathers and stuff like that. So I told them, I was like, that's one part of the story, but there was also natives that yeah. were killed because we gave them infected blankets. You know what I mean? So this is the reality of it. And I, I mean, I know some people are like, you can't say that to kids. It's ruining their childhood. I mean, it hasn't 
ruined anything for them. As far as I see, they still have fun. They still go play. They have friends of all different races. You know, the kids are still being kids, but it's more so that when they face those situations where they're dealing with adults that are older and different, they won't be totally blindsided, you know? So, I, I mean, I tell my kids, like, you can't play with a toy gun. You know, like, there have been little black boys that have gotten killed because they had toy guns. And I know it's not fair, but that's that's the reality of it. And I care about your life. Or like when they get older, I tell them like, if you ever have a situation with any car, you need to listen. Whatever it is you do, you need to listen. Just be safe. Don't do not do anything dumb. I mean, some stuff is like, they're not driving yet. You know, they're not by themselves yeah. yet. So it's yeah, not, it's, it's not as relevant. But with stuff like that, it's like when they do certain things or when we're out certain places and they're acting up, I'm like, we can't do that. You know, you, you can't act like that because there's people watching and they're already looking at you a certain way. So I love you, but we need to have this meltdown somewhere else. Or, you know, you can't, you can't respond that way. Um, my younger son, he's, like I said, he's the one that's a little bit more feisty. He gets it from me. So I understand I can't even be mad at him, but he'll be very aggressive sometimes. And, you know, it's not just like racism, right? It's colorism. So my oldest is very sweet and he's darker skin I'm tone. glad you're saying the colorism because I recently just, oh, I'll let you finish. Uh, yeah, no, I want to hear what you have to say. But my, my younger son, he is, he's closer to my skin complexion, but he is way more rowdy. I mean, he is like feisty and angry. So I've told him, I'm like, you can't do that. Like, I know in my mind he gets a little bit of privilege because he's lighter skin, but I also know that he's going to school with a whole bunch of white kids. So he's kind of treated the same. You know what I mean? So yeah. I tell him like, they're going to kick you out because he'll say, oh, well, my friend didn't, he get, didn't get kicked out. And I'm kind of like, that's going to probably be the story of your life. Like you're going to be held to a different standard and that's, that's life. And yeah. that's okay. Just be amazing. So, I mean, I'm honest with them. I think as I tend to be honest with my kids in general, because I think I grew up in such like a culture of like lying like I told you so I don't like that and that's not like one of the values I want to live by but definitely as they get older and as they face more challenges like I'm already thinking about the fact oh they're gonna date you know what is that gonna be like what if they date someone who is not blindy and like the chances of them finding someone blindy and is like it's low right in Oklahoma <laughs> yeah so I'm like what, what if they date a white girl you know what is that gonna be like you know how how will that be how, how what if her parents are racist you know so these are things that I'm like I think about uh, that's, the situations haven't happened but I still am like thinking about it like well, you know who do I want my kids to be who do I want to be how do I want them to approach what do I want them to learn if that makes sense I kind of just like ask myself the questions yeah, no, it's something that I think all of us parents have to continue to think about, especially yeah. the people with mixed kids. Because no matter what race they are, as long as they are mixed, they are going to be considered black. Yep. And this is the country that we live in. We choose to live here. Yep. So we have to prepare them somewhat to what may come, unfortunately. But yep. hopefully, you know, they are safe and they are able to answer that person the right way that they're yeah. expecting to be answered or responded to. Um, so I went, I took my son, my son was very sick recently. I took my son to agent care uh-huh. and I live in a Russian neighborhood completely. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's <laughs> so different. My, my kids are mixed. I mean, they're Ukrainian. So I was, we went and when we got there, I think we've been there like a few times. My kids get sick all the time. My kid, yeah. my son goes to daycare. Oh, so yeah. Every time he's just like, he has something. Yeah. Here and there. So we are in the office. This guy looks at me and he goes, because he was coughing a lot. So he looks at me and he goes, do the parents 
have any like asthma allergy. So I'm like, what? Wow. Do his parents. <laughs> you assumed you were like the nanny or something? Well, my daughter looks at me. She's just like, <laughs> she, wow. she looks at me, she's just like, but because she heard the question, she, she yeah. heard it ask. Yeah. And my daughter is sitting there and she's like, to the parents. And, uh, and I had to gr- um, grab it really quick, the question. Yeah. So like, oh, um, I'm the mother. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, we don't have allergies in our family. Yeah. The father, he has no allergies that I know of. So he, he looked at me just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he felt awkward. I know. The thing is, in this 2022, like yeah. ask the person the right question. Yeah. Yeah. Don't assume. You, you're not. It's 2022. We cannot be pretending or yeah. asking. It's like asking a woman on the street, it's like, oh, how many months are you? Yeah. 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 We should have stopped doing that a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's exactly that. Like, oh, how? Congratulations. How many months are you? Yeah. How, how long are you? Yeah. <laughs> you cannot be asking those type yeah. of questions. Same thing. That's how I feel about it. And it's just yeah. like, don't assume these are not my kids. Yeah. And first of all, my kids have the same nose as mine. <laughs> I need to find a name for Ukraine and Zambian together. <laughs> you do. You need a good name for it. <laughs> I need a good name. I'm glad you handled it well, though. Yeah, That's... no, it's just like I, I, I don't understand like why this day is still happening, even when yeah. we are in 2022. <laughs> up to today so I ask this to everybody you've been here for 30 years have you found your concrete pastures since you've been here have I found my concrete pastures oh goodness you're, you know I was when I was you're an amazing mom you've been a wife and yeah that amazing stuff yeah, you know what's funny is when I first saw your page, I was like so taken aback by the name. I was like, Concrete Pastures. Like it remind like it just gave me so much imagery. You know what I mean? It's like it's like such a juxtaposition of things. And it's so true to hear. I think I have. I think I have. I think at this point I have found like the duality in it. You know what I mean? Like nice. the concreteness of of what it means to be here, but also like that grounding to nature and community and like identity that makes that reminds me of a pasture. You know, it's like yeah. I was thinking about this actually because I was um thinking about like the kind of experiences I wanted to give my children. And yeah. I was thinking when I was a kid, we had a lot of experiences that were like man-made things, you know, like roller coasters, things like that. Yeah. Um, but then I met people when I was older who had experiences in nature. <clears throat> like their vacations were, our family trips were like mountains and, you know, things that grounded them. So I was like, you know, I feel like we live in a world where it's always concrete. We're always like inside buildings, but I want my kids to know that there's more than that, you know? Yeah. Like I want them to be connected to nature and to find like that, that beauty that I feel like is so much more, that natural beauty that's so much more common in like the countries where we come from. Yeah. Because we live with the nature. We're not like pushing nature out to like build concrete structures. Like in India, you walk around and there's like, it's like a cow. There's a buffalo over there. There's chicken. You know, there's dogs everywhere. There's probably a couple elephants. <laughs> like, depending on where you go, there's monkeys too. So, yeah. 
If you had asked me two years ago, I would have said no. But I think today, yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So for single mothers, how did you find dating? Are you dating? Are you? Oh, God. I am. Yeah. So I'm, I'm solo polyamorous, which means that I, my primary relationship is with me. Um, I don't want to live with another person and I'm polyamorous, which means I have multiple loving relationships. They're not all sexual and they're all open, meaning in the sense that like I'm, I'm dating a few people and they all know that I'm dating a few people. Does that make sense? Like I'm not, I'm not monogamous with any of them. So I recently watched the red table. Okay. And I, I, I heard yeah. Willow Smith. Uh, she's also poly. Polyamorous. Okay. Yes, I can't even pronounce it the right yeah. way. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's okay. So, and I was just like, "What is this?" Yeah, I have never heard of it. And wow. It's non-monogamy. It's basically the mindset that we... Because monogamy is like, you know, I'm with you and you meet all of my needs. Emotionally, sexually, spiritually, physically, everything. But polyamory is like, well, I don't believe that I want to depend on... I don't believe I need to depend on one person for everything. Like, I'd rather depend on a few people because everyone's kind of different. So yeah, I am dating. I mean, I think before I was polyamorous, I wasn't dating because I was still figuring myself out. But then I got to a point where I was like... I'm polyamorous. Like, I know when it comes to relationships, I think I just posted about this today too. Like, there's a certain standard of communication that I expect. Like, there's a certain way I expect to be treated, that I expect to be communicated with. It just, I just have certain standards. And when a person doesn't meet that standard, I'm very quick to say goodbye because. The reality is, is there's people getting married in their 70s. You know, there's people who are finding the love of their life in their 50s. There's no shortage of people looking for people. For yeah. the rest of our lives, there's always going to be people breaking up, making up, looking for love. So if I love myself, I'm not going to settle <laughs> for sure. So that's where I'm at now. It, I will say that because of my, my kid's dad's schedule just changed. So now I have more consistent time to myself. So I have weekends, but I honestly, Nancy, I don't spend most of my time dating. Like I spend most of my time with myself, you know, like building my dreams or my passions or just working on stuff or with my kids. So I think maybe like maybe one day a week, oh. one day every other week I would spend with someone but the majority of that time is with myself that's where i'm at right now i mean that might change as my kids get older but they're still young that so i'm like i don't want to spend too much of my time dating because my kids are young yeah you know like i want to be able to have this time with them and then when they get older i mean there's people in my life now so if they stick around with me that long like <laughs> then they, they don't have more time for them and if they don't i'm sure god will bring me the right person so Interesting. Polyamory. Yeah. Polyamory. Polyamory. It's, I mean, it's interesting. It definitely brings its own challenges, but it's been good. I will say that's another one of those things where I like just peel off the layers of what I was told. No, because when I watched the red table, I think it was, was it Jada's mom asked the question? He's like, is this an excuse for people cheating? Ah, uh, yeah. Openly or something. And I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So uh, that's interesting you bring that up because like I've, I've heard people say that same thing. Cheating is all about like lying. You know, it's about being deceptive. It's about leading people on and telling people I'm with you, but living another life. And polyamory, it's very, very intentional. And then it's much harder, I think, than being monogamous because I care about more than one person's emotions and I have to manage their feelings. 
because they know that I'm dating other people. So if I'm with someone, like I'm very intentional on making sure that I give time to my lovers. I call them my lovers. Like I try to make sure like if I haven't spent time, just like with my kids, right? Yeah. If I haven't spent one-on-one time with you, I'm going to find a way to spend time with you. And if I haven't told you that you matter to me or that I care about you, I'm going to find a way because I care about you, you know? And honestly, I don't, I don't have sex that often (laughs) like as much as you would think like oh I have all these lovers like I'm having sex all the time I'm a mother first like when it comes to my priorities I like I I, maybe it's age maybe it's because honestly I've had so much good sex that like it doesn't it doesn't I'm I'm like I've had too much good sex yeah (laughs) exactly like it's not it's not as big anymore so it's not a big deal to me it's not a big deal yeah so I mean I I definitely think there are people that use it just to cheat but I mean for me it's very intentional about this is the lifestyle I'm living do you want to join me in this lifestyle or not (laughs) and if you do then here's kind of you know what that means so it's been interesting it's definitely been interesting so oh no this is really interesting I'm so psyched I got into it because when I saw what you do and how did you get into torrent honestly I went okay so this is a funny story so um it's not funny it's just like it's always God so like maybe five four or five years ago I wrote a poem I I wrote a poem because I've been writing poetry for years called Gypsy Witch and it basically talked about how like I have this duality of like Christianity and then at the time I was going to to the masjid to the mosque it was like Christianity and Islam and these eastern roots of like Hinduism and Buddhism and like spirituality and I was like I think I ended it like she's a gypsy witch rises in the east sets in the west something like that then I went into a store it was like a crystal store where they had gemstones and necklaces things like that and there was a deck of tarot cards called gypsy witch <laughs> and I was like I was scared honestly because I mean I grew up Christian so all my life I've been yeah, taught this is bad don't do yes, it yes yeah I didn't I did not pick up the cards I was so scared that I was like what like I don't know what spirit this is I, I don't know is this God is this something else I don't know so I like this is 2018 and then what happened in 2021 yeah it's been like 18 months I had friends who were into tarot and like I, I just one day decided like I think I want to try this like, I, I wonder if this will work for me. And I had a couple friends that I had talked to about it and they, they practiced tarot cards and then I got my own tarot cards. And it was like, again, it's one of those things where it's like, this is something my soul must have known because as soon as I got the cards, just like the way that I felt when I incorporated them into my spiritual life, because like in the mornings I, I wake up and I like, I pray, I meditate, I visualize, I journal, like I have an entire routine to just get myself centered before the day starts. And like incorporating the tarot cards was like, it just fit naturally. Like it just naturally fit so perfectly and then like it the cards made sense and then I started doing readings for people and they were like wow like okay this makes sense so then I realized like okay there's something here that like is bigger than me and then I I started there's this program that it's a lady she started her own like tarot certification program and when I looked at like how she does tarot she's been doing it for like 20 30 years I was like I do it the same way so I think I was another thing where I just like I accepted it and then I kind of I just like tested it with people I was like would you want a tarot reading and they're like yes and then I realized oh people actually want this like okay all right and then just having really good readings where people just felt it's just like intimacy coaching right like yeah. watching people 
I feel like in all the things that I do where I serve people, I really just try to look at it as like being light and being love, right? Like I just try to let God flow through me into that person, whether it's through tarot, through intimacy coaching, through any conversation. Like I really just want to be a conduit for God to flow through through me. And then watching it happen in every tarot reading was like, yeah, I'm going to keep doing this because it's, I mean, it's working and everyone says that it's like adding benefits to their life. So I want to keep doing it. <laughs> wow. Um, oh, it's, it's amazing. You do so many things. <laughs> I, I was really uh, interested in talking to you because looking at your uh, your content first on Instagram, it's very opposite of what I know to be, I guess, normal for Indian. Yeah. Uh, I would say I'd put people in the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what Indian women or men should be looking like or should be sharing. Yeah. <laughs> so when I looked at your profile, I was like, okay, I want to talk to her. She's yeah. very interesting. <laughs> I, I I just want to learn. I, I The main thing I wanted to learn and for our audience also to learn from you. But yeah. I've learned a lot through our conversation. Being a single mother, how to navigate that and shifting my mindset. Yeah. Right now, I've like shifted my mindset. I need oh, good. To, be able to put myself first all the time. Yes, because I do it sometimes, and then yes. I, I have to do it constantly yes. instead of sometimes. Consistency over perfection. Yes, it's true. That's my thing, and I struggle with. The, I have this imposter syndrome that I have to take out from yeah. my life yeah me too me too oh, no I didn't do this right I didn't do mm-hmm. that right I, I mm-hmm. didn't do that all of that and there's a lot of us women that are struggling and I think we're gonna learn a lot from this conversation Yay. thank you so much yes I'm honored oh, I'm honored yes. now I have to find your personal page so I can follow it <laughs> <laughs> yes no for sure I don't have interesting stuff like yours <laughs> <laughs> that's not true I don't believe that <laughs> seriously <laughs> I'm, the, I'm a baby when it comes to social media so I'm, I'm taking like baby steps I'm telling you I have social media anxiety like yeah. crazy so I try to share very little of my life yeah yeah and yeah because I try to keep even sharing on the podcast yeah. I'm actually giving so much of myself on the podcast yeah yeah I don't know it, I just like you say God runs through me it's the same yeah. for me when I'm talking especially when I'm sharing my own story yeah I have it written down but a lot of the times because I had to revisit my memories yeah and a lot of the times when I have it written down it I, I'm not even looking on my phone I'm literally yeah. talking and reliving those emotions as mm, wow yes especially with my last episode that I did that's um, a lot of vulnerability yes <laughs> Yeah. So last question. What do you live by? Because I normally leave a quote for my audience. Yeah. What quote do you live by? Or it's not a quote. What what inspires you? Let yourself free to be you. Let yourself free. We put all these limitations on ourselves. Just... Undo your that own chains. True to you, it really speaks true to you. With everything else that you've shared here, it really yeah. And we all just have to let go. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, a lot of us are afraid of judgment. Yeah. Once you find yourself and you say you don't care for the whoever says what. Yeah. Very freeing. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for being Likewise. Here. This has been lovely. This has been oh, lovely. This has been so good. I love it. Oh.
Thank you so much, my dear. This was such a good episode. I'm so embalmed. It was an informative episode. Thank you so much, Presenta, for being here, for sharing your story, for giving us so much insight on your way of parenting as an immigrant, as a single mother, and the mindset shifting. I love that. I am shifting my mind and in wanting everything to be perfect. Mm-mm. That's not going to be happening over here. We're dropping that imposter syndrome, taking care of me first. Parents, let's take care of ourselves first before we uh, take care of our kids. Let's put our masks first before we give our children those masks. When we take care of our mental, when we take care of ourselves physically, I think we operate at a much better space Uh, And our kids are able to see that. You know, remember these little people, or even if they are older, they they notice everything, everything, mood changes, everything. They 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 notice. I love what she said about family values, respect, kindness, perseverance, hard work, integrity. I think these are just life values that we should all live by, whether children or not. I think we should. That we should live by this. This is amazing. Respecting yourself and respecting others. Kindness, showing that to yourself and that self-love to the core. Being kind to other people as well. Hard work. Hey, (laughs) I don't think we all got here without hard work. If you're in another country, hard work comes with it. You work hard to get where you want to be. Let's show Miss Presenta some love. She's on Instagram and Facebook. Both platforms are called Miss Presenta. I'm going to put her her Insta and Facebook in our show notes. Thank you again, Presenta. I learned a lot, really. Thank you again for tuning in today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours. Share it with your family and friends. Tag me on your social media. I have Facebook. I have Instagram, whichever one that you use. I would also love to hear from you. Leave me a review. And if there's a topic you have in mind that you'd love for me to cover, let me know as well. Look out for new episodes every week on Mondays. And I truly appreciate you being part of the community and supporting the community. Until next time, keep dreaming. Born